Thank you all so much for joining me today. Before I begin, I need to pray. Father God, we just come boldly before your throne of grace. We thank you so much for being full time in our life. We ask that you please allow us to receive your word today. Let it resonate in our hearts. God, we ask that you just lead us in the path of righteousness. God, allow us not to be deceived by no one, Lord God. Thank you so much for giving us the mind of Christ. And we so we just ask that you just continue to allow us to see and hear things through your eyes and ears so that we're not depending on our own understanding for things. But in all of our ways, we are acknowledging you so that you can direct our paths, God. So we thank you, God. We give you glory, praise, and honor. We ask that you please allow us to receive your word today. Let us be able to reflect on your word, um, with how we are viewing the world, how we view people, Lord God. Allow our brains to be succinct with your plan, will, and purpose, God. Let us perceive things the way that you have us to perceive them and not the way that we are perceiving things based upon our flesh, God. So we command our bodies to get into the alignment with God's word, with your, with what you created it to be, God. So we ask that you uproot and pluck out all the things inside of us, God, that is just disobedient to you, that is desiring those things of the flesh, that seeks to prevail with fleshly things, carnal-mindedness, and secular beliefs, God. We ask that you pluck those things out, all the things that are evil and wicked in our lives, in our heart, in our thoughts, in our behavior, in our actions, whatever that may be, God, whatever it is in us that offends you, God, we ask that you remove it up out of us right now in the name of Jesus Christ. So, God, we ask that you just please do not allow us to be conformed to this world, but let us be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And so, God, we thank you right now that our minds is renewed. We take into, into captivity every single thought that would exalt itself above your knowledge. And we make our thoughts obedient to Christ right now in the name of Jesus Christ. So God, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, God, for giving us the authority to lead with the Holy Spirit in the spiritual realm. God, we thank you that we take the authority that you've given us, God, and we use it for our for our ability to be able to be submissive to you, to be able to be obedient to you, God, and to continue to have hope and faith and trust in you, God, because you're you're more than worthy. You're trustworthy, God. Thank you for maintaining your integrity in our lives. Thank you for keep it, keeping your covenants with us, God. Please let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, God. So we ask that you will meet our needs according to your riches and glory in Christ Jesus. God, let us see your glory in every situation. Let us see prosperity. God, give us vitality and prosperity in our souls and in our lives every single day, God. Give us vitality in our minds. Let us develop and grow more and more to you, God. We we attach our growth to you, God. We attach our influence. We are influenced by you, God. So do not allow us to be influenced 
by anything that is evil or wicked lord we just thank you right now in advance that that you are doing a good work in us god for for we was bought with a price with your blood and so we appreciate you lord we thank you god you are more than worthy you made us important your most important creation god and we appreciate you god we are not worthy but you 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 help us to worship you you keep our hearts soft and it melts it for you no matter what it is that we see god there is no way that we cannot worship you god you are you are fascinating god you are brilliant god you are omnipotent you are omnipresent god you are everything that we need god so we just ask that you continue to allow us to be obedient to the holy spirit god we ask that you allow us to be sensitive to the voice of the holy spirit no matter what we're doing no matter where we are god we ask for discernment we ask that you keep us a million steps ahead of every situation and circumstance and making sure that those steps god has favor by you that we have favor we walk in favor everything we touch is blessed everything attached to us wins god you say whatever we loose on earth is loose in heaven whatever we bind on earth is bound in heaven and so therefore in the name of the lord jesus christ we bind and cast down spiritual wickedness in high places and we render them harmless and ineffective against us in the name of jesus christ god we redeem your assignment upon our lives upon our children's lives our family our parents our generation to generation to generation from our bloodline to bloodline to bloodline and lord god we redeem your assignment upon our finances upon our upon our ability to grow our careers our businesses god we just thank you we give you glory praise and honor and most importantly god please allow us to always thirst after you let us thirst after righteousness we attach our thirst to you god we attach our desires to you god our perception is attached to you our co-perception our conscience is attached to you god you are our stronghold lord we god and so we just we ask that you please Allow the Holy Spirit to quicken us, Lord, so that we can be obedient and receive what you have planned for us, God. Let us be prepared to receive every blessing that you give us, God. Let us be prepared in advance to receive and accept every single blessing that you have for us, God. In the name of Jesus Christ, God, we just thank you. We give you glory, praise, and honor. We ask that you please um, just thank you so much, God. And so I ask that you just um allow me to minister grace to the hearer and speak about everything that i need to talk about today lord and don't let me forget nothing in the name of jesus christ it is sealed in your atonement blood amen all right everybody thank you so much for joining me today on laws life and health let's talk about it so today i'm going to continue on in the discussion of stereotypes you know, when we understand stereotypes, we have to first try to understand our biases. So I really didn't, I wasn't going to go in a like in-depth understanding of biases, but I think that is necessary because in order for us to fully be able to grasp and understand how our 
flawed thinking sometimes can interrupt our perception and how we see people. You know, God doesn't want us to see people from our fleshly perspectives because when we do that, we're limited. We're limiting our ability to collaborate with some people. We could be limiting partnerships, right? We could be limiting business adventures, right? So God, he wants us to be able to overcome thinking like the rest of the world. And the way that we do that, we have to understand ourselves when we are having these cognitive biases, right? And so I'm, I want to dive a little deeper into understanding cognitive biases. And it's not so many times that people talk about every single type of cognitive bias, but I want to talk about it today. Okay, I really do um, want to talk about some of the um, the main things that causes cognitive biases in us and how they can also sort of interfere with relationships, right? And um, how they, you know, interfere with the Holy Spirit being able to speak to you so we want to be able to have a um have good communication with god right and the way that we do that is by being receptive to the voice of god right and so i want to um really kind of focus on understanding yourself and how these um, cognitive biases can really, really impact your overall quality of life and the way that you collaborate with people and also um, build long-term relationships, okay? So I wanna talk about myself first because it's so important to understand that in order to be able to tell other people about something, you have to first identify how you're able to overcome those things. And so I'm very, very big, very big on self-reflexivity. Self-reflection is a must, okay? It's imperative that you learn how to adopt behavior that allows you to be self-reflexive. So if you're, you cannot change what you don't identify. So I'm going to say that again. You cannot change what you don't identify. So everyone has common cognitive biases. These are like average, right? Like this is across various disciplines, different cultures and traditions, People just come with a set of biases. And sometimes those biases could also be attached to different microaggressions as well, right? But today I'm not going to get too far caught up into the microaggression part. I will, however, probably get on that sometime next week, right? So thinking about this, we need to be able to say, okay, so how am I biased? Well, let me just explain this. So 
Um, so okay, so for instance, one of my one of my friends, I want to talk, I would like to talk about cognitive. Let me see. Hold on one second. I want to talk about cognitive dissonance for just one moment, okay? Because there are so many people that really actually do not understand that cognitive dissonance is something that many people have endured, all right? Everyone has participated in some act or behavior, right? Action or reaction that includes some form of cognitive dissonance. And some, you know, like I've had discussions with people, I've talked to them, I, and, and I've, they've said, well, no, cognitive dissonance is for people that don't, they just don't understand what it is about life. They get, they confused about a lot of stuff or, you know, they, they have some mental problems, but really it is not, that is not what cognitive dissonance is. Okay, so when you understand, basically, cognitive dissonance is a clash of ideas. That's what it is. It's a clash of ideas, okay, that some people have. And so this can contradict some of the things that they feel mentally, okay? And so that's why I want to talk about, I'm going to talk about cognitive dissonance. And then what I like to do is talk about the... um the different types of biases and understanding them, but also trying to reflect on some professionals in the field, right? So let's let's look here. I want to go to the scripture. So go to your Bibles to um, Acts chapter 20 and verse 35. Acts 20 and 35. It says, and everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. So a lot of times people, they are always thinking about financially, right? When they give, they're always thinking about these rewards of, okay, if I, if I get this, I'm gonna get this back. So, I kind of don't look at giving in that way. The way I look at giving is if you give gossip, then guess what? People going to come back and they're going to slander your name, right? They're going to slander you. They're going to make up things about you because you've distributed gossip, slander, and lies in the, in the atheist for other, towards other people. So if you give gossip behaviors and actions, right? Then you are, you can expect to get that back. Okay. So if you give death, let's say you going out here, you just the what what you're you don't understand that this is a, a gift that you're doing. This is something that you're putting out there in life spiritually in the spiritual realm to reap a, uh to reap some of those same things back to you so if you give lies 
then lies is going to be said and spread about you. If you give love, guess what? Love is going to come right back to you. If you give promiscuity, guess what? That's probably going to come back to you when you're in a relationship. So, like, whatever whatever you measure you use in giving, it doesn't matter. Like, for me, my kids was, most of the time, was with their dad. Okay? They five, they dead. So, when I think about, like, how I engage and, re, and interact with other kids and react to them, I always think of my kids. So when I'm around somebody else's child, I'm going to treat their child exactly the way that I would treat my own child. Because it's all about your conscience. It's all about having a, a clear conscience in this world, meaning that I know that I've put in good things with others. And regardless of how those good things were attacked, Guess what? God is not going to let me be defeated. So when I look at this scripture, Acts 20 and 35, and everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Whatever hard work you're working towards, help somebody else. Compliment somebody else. Make someone else feel inspired. Remember in the words, the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. So like one thing about me, when I talk to people and I give them compliments, they are ecstatic, okay? Because sometimes I really don't talk on the phone that much. I don't talk to people that much like I used to because I'm kind of like sometimes like when I get moments of um, quiet time to myself, I, I enjoy those moments where I can talk and communicate with God. So like my quiet moments, I enjoy those moments with God, my personal time. This time, this moment, I'm going to have with God. I'm going to have this conversation with God. I need to know the trajectory of specifically, God, where is you, Where are you trying to lead me? Where are we headed? So when I compliment other people, when they talk to me, they're, they're, they're like, man, you know, that means so much coming from you. Every single time I make a compliment, Everybody is like super like excited about the compliment that I gave. Because when I give out a compliment, it's like I'm about to give you a description of your autobiography, okay? And it's going to be succinct in a way where you're going to feel like you just crossed the stage and graduated. So I want to make sure that I'm over the top with my compliments and that's just how i am so when i give out a compliment i'm like you know i am really impressed 
you were you had me thinking about your idea for over a week i mean your amount of motivation has to inspire everyone around you if they're not inspired by your motivation then it's something wrong with them because you're too in inspiring so depending on who i'm talking to i love giving out compliments okay sometimes i might not give out a compliment i might say something to you that only i can say to you and nobody else can say to you some people don't accept certain things being said to them by everybody else so for instance when i was younger and i was married when i got married i had a private wedding i've kind of like i guess i've always been like really private it's only when I like hang out, when I used to hang out where people would think that they know so much about me, but really I would just hang out on the weekend and go home to my quiet house, right? So when I was younger, my grandmother, she would sometimes yell at me about things and I was married. So when I got married, I only invited her to my wedding. She was the only invite. I, I didn't I don't want to know all them other problems about what somebody didn't like or they didn't want me to get married. Keep that keep that to yourself. All right. So it was interesting because she used to be like, see, God, God told me to yell this at you. And I'm like, well, I can hear you, grandma. You know, you don't have to yell at me. She was like, I know, I know, but you know, can't nobody else tell you what I'm telling you. So you need to understand that it's the seriousness in what I'm saying to you. And so I'm like, okay, so I, I, I didn't really fully grasp the idea at the time. Like, okay, so your elevated tone is supposed to make your words penetrate harder in my mind. So your elevated tone of voice is supposed to influence me to react different to you. So I don't know. I don't know. Like for me, I've been around people that yell, some people that are soft-spoken, people that holler at me. I'm in their face and they're screaming like they're talking to somebody down the street. So, you know yelling and then talking stuff uh, it doesn't matter to me what tone you use what really matters is what you're saying doesn't make sense to me so at the time my grandmother when she was doing all of that i just was like okay well i mean it did make a difference because i wasn't used to her yelling i'm used to other people yelling right <laughs> but i mean it did make a difference and so that's what she gave me she gave me a part of her that showed me that when she spoke to me she cared about what she said to me she put her she put thought into what she said she made sure that when she communicated that it was coming from an authentic place
And so I told my grandmother, I said, Grandma, I love you so much because your motives are incredible. So when I talk, when I talk to people ever since I was young, I've always analyzed the motives of a person. So when you're talking to me and you telling me a story, I'm going to look at your motive. That's the first thing that I analyze. Why are you saying what you're saying? I don't care who you are. That's the first thing I say. Why are you saying what you're saying to me? Because everyone has a motive. So I don't care if you're trying to convince me to go shopping with you. Why, why do you want me to go shopping with you? I don't care if you want me to go to the club. Well, come go to this club. You know, you could drink this weekend, girl. Come on. Why does she want me to go with her to the club? Why can't someone else go? It's always why. I always question things. I've never met someone to just say, okay, well, that's just it. Sure, yeah. Okay, I don't respond to things like that. <laughs> I am going to analyze and ask you why. So when I think about this scripture, Acts 20 and 35, and everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself, it is more blessed to give than to receive. You need to be asking yourself the why. Why do you feel that way about her? Why do you feel that way about him? Why do you respond to that particular race because of something that you've experienced because of what you saw why do you perceive that person that way that group that way that race that way that culture that way. So it's all about the why. Once you identify like, okay, well, why I don't like, like for some reason, for some reason, I just, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to talk about these stereotypes, but please know that I don't believe in these stereotypes. I'm just simply talking about them. So this conversation is for mature adults only, okay? So why don't you like black people? So I've, I've actually had a conversation with, it was a Caucasian man. And he said that the reason why he felt like he did not like black people was because they burglarized his house. And so there were some black kids in his neighborhood who had burglarized his house. And this was a lot of stuff that he paid for in his house. And um, they had it on camera and there were some black kids, like some teenagers. And so he said, ever since that had happened, 
he never liked black people because he would still have phobia about like leaving his house you know after he worked really hard to buy the items in his home and you know for for them to just come into his house and just steal that made him not like black people okay that's one example another example i'm going to talk about my grandmother again so my grandmother now i talked about this story before my grandmother she was for sure for sure that there was racist animals that people enjoyed being so hateful in this world that they taught their animals to be hateful and when i tell you that my grandmother was sure of this she was beyond sure so in her neighborhood a small town in um washington state by seattle uh it's called the tri-cities um kenwick pass going richland it's a pretty small town in washington not washington dc but washington state she goes and she's living in this nice house and she says see see this lady it, it was a lady that lived not too far from her residence and so she kept saying a dog her dog is racist every time i'm walking because my grandmother oh my grandmother used to love walking when i tell you she loved walking she would just walk me and her would actually do a lot of exercising on the track at school because the schools allow you to go and walk around the track and so we would do a lot of walking around the track my grandmother she always thought that walking is better than running okay it was better for your heart to walk instead of running okay and so she just walked she's always walking and so she's walking she said every time i walk past and um i'm going home you know her dog is barking at me and i i sat and looked out the window up the street and i saw that the dog doesn't bark at anyone else unless they're black and i say "Ooh, are you sure grandma she said i'm sure the dog is barking only at black people. And I'm like, okay, well, see, I mean, I, I never actually seen anything like that before. And, and so when I talked about it previously on my podcast, I had never seen anything like that. I still had never seen anything like that. Okay. So it wasn't until like earlier this year where someone was on twitter and they had some shoes on and they kept putting black tape around their shoes and the turtle would only attack the black part of the shoe so i'm thinking like whoa wait okay so like i never seen this before ever in my life so the turtle was literally i actually i would love to find this video I, I really would like to find a bit video. Um, turtle.
Okay, here it is. The turtle that hates the color black. So I think that this is it right here. I found it. Oh, okay, well, wait. Is this it? Yeah, here you go. It, it, so why do turtles hate the color black? So this person, they actually have all of these shoes and the turtle is only attacking the color black, but doesn't attack the color white or any other color. So I was like, clearly, it's it's obvious to me now as an adult many years later that some animals can be racist. It's also obvious to me that the, the white guy who experienced theft and burglary in his home, that was a, a experience of trauma. And when you experience trauma, trauma is overcome in so many different ways. And sometimes it takes many years to overcome trauma. So his feelings of identifying a group of people that were black, it, 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 it's like you experience this trauma with black people, but you have to understand that all black people are not thieves. Like my grandmother needed to understand that all races, all white people are not going to be racist. Okay. And so this is somewhat, I guess this is one, one of the most difficult podcasts that I've tried to explain thus far. Okay. I didn't think it would be this difficult but thank you god for allowing me to get through it um okay so i want to i want to actually show you all this video uh the turtle so the turtle uh i'm gonna actually i'm gonna post it on the website that's what i'm going to do so you all can see that the turtle don't like black okay so um now, moving forward from that, these are all stereotypes that happens because of our experience. Now, let's examine some cognitive biases. But before we do yesterday, I want to talk about the things that um, I have found yesterday. So I have posted the um under let me i want to do like a sort of a recap right so um and in second peter chapter 2 verse 20 it says that my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because thou hast rejected knowledge i will also reject thee and that thou shalt be no priest to me seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy gods i will also forget thy children so what God is saying here is that, look, people, they are dying because of a lack of knowledge. They die because they don't even want to know the truth. So if I was to say, look, it's not good to be biased or if the Bible tells us, you know, these biases 
call are causing you to judge people. And if you judge you, if you judge others, you will be judged. But instead of listening to it, it's like, you like, ah, who cares? I know what I went through. I know I seen a racist dog. I know it was them black teenagers that burglarized my house. So it's like your ability to overcome the experience cannot be implemented in your life because you have rejected the knowledge that will provide you with the healing and the ability to overcome the situation. I'm going to say that again. So since we go through experiences that shape our thinking, instead of you receiving the knowledge that can be attached to your healing, you reject the knowledge that will lead you to overcoming the situation. So you continue to be what? Bias. You continue to be what? Shaped by your experience. Did you know that you are a dot compared to all the people in this earth? So your experience is so small. And I'm not, I'm not, let me, let me make sure I rephrase this. And make sure that I'm saying it right for the people that are easily offended. Because I'm not trying to be a people pleaser here. I'm trying to speak in a way that's congruent to all of ours, all of our growth. So to the people that's easily offended, I'm going to say. That second Peter chapter two and 20, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. God is saying that some people that reject the truth, they are destroyed because of lack of knowledge, because they are offended of, by things instead of receiving the knowledge that it takes for them to overcome. So instead of growing, they're offended. So offense lead will lead you to being destroyed. I didn't like the way she said that. I didn't like the way he did that. I didn't like the way he sounded. I didn't like the way she sounded. So what does that mean? That means that the, the truth wasn't said because you didn't like it. So that's, I promise like, when people get, they, when sometimes some of my friends, they get really mad about stuff and I just be like, you know, what do you mean? So does that eliminate the truth? No, it does not. Right. The truth is the truth. 
So you offended by something. That means you're going to reject the truth because you offended. Like, do you listen to yourself? People are rejecting the truth because they're offended. We're not talking about trauma anymore. We're talking about offense. Offense to telling a person to do something that is right. They're offended. Because of the experience. Now the experience could cause trauma. But offense leads you to being isolated in that situation. Offense leads to isolation. Offense will lead you to not accepting the things that you need in order to receive the healing that God wants to give you. So you can't accept it because you offended. So what? That you're offended. So God said in his word that he, he would tell the religious Pharisees, you, you brood of vipers. Let's, let me go to that scripture. I want to go to that scripture. He, he said, he said, he said, you brood of vipers. And let's Matthew, Matthew 12 and 34. You brood of vipers. How can you? Who are evil say anything good for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of so you saying that you are such a good person in this world that you don't speak nothing bad about nobody. That means nobody can say nothing bad about you. You should be exempt from anybody in the world saying anything about you. Why? Because you do everything good. So if you're able to do that, then guess what? You must not be a brood of vipers. So yesterday I was, um, I actually, this is, this is a scripture that God gave to me last night. Um, this was, uh, let me see. This was yesterday. Here we go. This is this is kind of a long scripture. Um, but this is the scripture that God gave to me. But I want to go back before I look at this the next scripture, I want to continue to explain Matthew 12 and 34. So when Jesus was saying this, when Jesus said, You brood of vipers, do you think that he said this in a passive way? I just, I, I'm just wondering the tone, the tone that Jesus had. 
You think he said it like, you brood of vipers? You brood of vipers. You know, you are, you're a brood of vipers. You think he was soft-spoken when Jesus said that? I mean, because my grandmother, I already explained that story. My grandmother had to yell at me just for a few things. I'm just wondering. See, when you are a child of God and you understand God's word and you start reading it and stuff, you, you want to understand like the position of Jesus Christ. We know that Jesus Christ was 100% man, 100% God, but we also know that he was very authoritarian. He wasn't passive. He wasn't going around being soft-spoken to brood of vipers. He ain't saying, you brood of vipers. You think that's how he talked to the religious Pharisees? No, he did. You brood of vipers. That's what it sounds like to me. How can you, who are evil, say anything good? How do you think he said it to you? You think Jesus said it? How can you, who are evil, say anything good? So, in order to understand, some people, when you're communicating, you're going to communicate at a certain tone, certain language, a certain pronunciation. You're going to have a certain type of quality. about yourself when you're communicating with a certain audience. So Jesus was not passive. And there are many scriptures to confirm that we are to be like God. So we are his children. We are like God. We are not God. But we are like him. Okay. So now looking at this next scripture. This is um, in Romans chapter 9. Romans 9 verses um, 15 through 33. Here we go. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy. And I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. It does not, therefore, depend on human desire or effort, but on God's mercy. For scripture says to Pharaoh, I raised you up for this very purpose that I may display my power in you and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. Therefore, God has mercy on whom he wants to have mercy and he hardens whom he wants to harden. Verse 19 says, one of you will say to me, 
then why does God still blame us? For who is able to resist his will? Verse 20. We are in Romans chapter 9, verses 15 through 33. Reading verse 20. But who are you? A human being to talk back to God? Shall what is formed say to the one who formed it? Why did you make me like this? Does not the potter have the right to make out of the same lump of clay some pottery for special purposes and some for common use? Verse 22. What if God, although choosing to show his wrath and make his power known, bore with great patience the objects of his wrath? prepared for destruction what if he did this to make the riches of his glory known to the objects of his mercy whom he prepared whom he prepared in advance for glory verse 24 even us whom he also called not only from the Jews, but also from the Gentiles. As he says in Hosea, I will call them my people who are not my people. And I will call her my loving one who is not my loving one. And in the very place where it was said to them, you are not my people. There they will be called children of the living God. Isaiah cries out concerning Israel. Through, though the number of Israelites be like the sand by the sea, only the remnant will be saved. For the Lord carry out his sentence on earth with speed and finality. It is just as Isaiah said previously, unless the Lord Almighty had left us descendants, we would have become like Sodom. We would have become like Gomorrah. Verse 30. When then shall we say that the Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have obtained it? A righteousness that is by faith. But the people of Israel who pursued the law as the way of righteousness have not attained their goal. Why not? Because they pursued it not by faith, but as if it were by works. They stumbled over the stumbling stone as it is written. See, I lay in Zion a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. And the one who believes in him will never be put to shame. Hallelujah.
<laughs> okay, so it's so much information in this scripture right here, right? <laughs> this is like, woo, I, I just, when I, when I was reading this, I was sitting here like, okay, God, I get it. I get everything that God is saying. So let me try to go through this scripture. I'm going to, I'm going to, um, go through this scripture a little bit. And then I want to talk about some of the biases. Okay. So in verse 15, Romans chapter nine, verse 15 through 33. So in verse 15, it says, for he says to Moses, he is God, right? So God is saying these things to Moses. I will have mercy on whom I have mercy and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. See, one thing I noticed about God, people don't understand this about God. Some people don't, but I'm going to explain it to you because this is something that I know because I've experienced it. So God have mercy on you according to your ability to be able to trans be transparent to him. And so let me explain that. So many times I will go through experiences and God will examine my heart. God examines the heart. Like he really, really examine your heart. So it doesn't matter that you say that you got over something. God know if you got over it or not. So at, at one point in my life, I was kind of disappointed in my ex-husband and I was so disappointed. It was like, okay, God, you know, I don't understand why I had to go through all of that with him. And it's like, I had forgiveness. Un I had unforgiveness in my heart. I did. I had unforgiveness because of some things that went on between me and him and um his family and stuff and it was just it was a, a hard process and so god was asking me you know like do you forgive and i said yeah i forgive i do and then so god said well can you pray that he do good pray that he be blessed tell me that you want me tell me that you want him to be blessed that's what god was telling me so when, whenever I go through a situation, God always reminds me, can you pray that that person do good? Can you pray that they have a happy life, have a happy uh, new life, new marriage, blessing, financial stability? Can you pray that they have a good job, that they be successful, that they, you know, overcome things in life? Can you pray for the people that hurt you? Can you pray for their prosperity? Can you pray for their success? See, because if you can't really, really do that with whoever it is that hurts you, you haven't overcome. Whoever it is that have violated your heart, 
whoever it is that caused you emotional numbness, whoever it is that violated you physically, whoever it is. Thank you, God. Let me explain something to you. I have been through a lot in my life and I had to learn how to pray for people that hurt me, people that have, have violated me. People that have talked about me. People that have cheated me out of money. People that have messed up our business contracts. Didn't even care. They didn't. Look, let me explain. I'm telling you. Do you have the ability to pray that they succeed? After they have harmed you. See, God knows this. He knows if you can. He knows if you can sit back and pray. He knows he will ask you, how do you feel? How do you, God was, God was ask you that. I'm telling you that. Because see, I know God because I pray to God. So I'm not telling you something that I haven't overcome. All right. I had unforgiveness in my heart. And so when God was asking me things, it was like, okay, well, yes. And eventually I grew to learn how I pray. I ended up eventually praying for my ex-husband to have a, a great marriage and praying for his success and praying for him to do good and praying for all sorts of things and helping him out and doing everything. So when you look at this scripture, Romans chapter 9, 15 and 33, for he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy. And I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. It is because God knows your heart. He knows that you still judge them because of how they treated you. He knows that you didn't want to let it go. And you want to allow God to allow you to have healing. So he going to have mercy on you and he going to have compassion, but he going to position you in a way to learn how to forgive. You going to learn how to forgive. If it take 10 years, if it take 15 years, if it's going to take 20 years, it might take you 30. It might take the next person you sit next to 10 it might take somebody else up the road that you know five years. But guess what? You're going to learn how to forgive. So God is saying, look, I have mercy on whom I have mercy and I have compassion on whom I have compassion. We have to understand that the secrets of the word of God. Let me let me let me go to this other scripture. Okay, so let's go to Matthew 20, Matthew 10 and 26. That's what we're going to go to, Matthew 10 and 26. So do not be afraid of them, for there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. That is not the only scripture. I was looking for this. I'm looking for this other scripture, actually. Okay, it's Deuteronomy 29 and 29. That's where it is. So the secret things... 
I'm sorry, Deuteronomy 29 and 29. Sometimes I talk very fast. Okay. Um, that's because I've been talking fast pretty much most of my life. So I'm trying to pace at a rhythm that is congruent to my audience being able to understand me. So work with me. Thank you. Okay. So Deuteronomy 29 and 29. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may follow all the words of this law. Okay? So the secret things, we, we don't know all the secret things. So going back to Romans 9. In verse 16, it says, it does not therefore depend on human desire or effort, but on God's mercy. You understand that? So your desire to, to say, okay, well, I, I feel like I'm going to, I feel like I'm pure. You know, I feel like I've forgiven. It, it don't matter. Your, your feeling deceive you. Your desires will deceive you. We see what happened with Eve. We see what happened with um, Gideon. He he just thought he was defeated. You know, your mind will deceive you. So it don't matter about your human thoughts. So God saying, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. It does not therefore depend on human desire or effort but on God's mercy. See, God understands you like a book. It's like when you read a book, you understand that book if you read it from the beginning and the end. And if you read it several different times, you read it, it you, you, comp you most likely comprehended it better than you read it the first time. But if you skim do a book, you, you're not really going to know really about all of the context of what was said in the book. See, just because you try to show God that you have forgiveness with one situation doesn't mean that you really are a forgiving type of person. So your human desire or effort, that, that is not going to work. God understands your past, your present, and your future. Because he understands your abilities. And he continues to have mercy on you. Because see, you do things with God. We love God voluntarily, not involuntary. We are obedient to him voluntarily, not involuntarily. God isn't forcing us to do anything. Like Calvinists, they believe that, oh, you know, God has already predestined and chosen these people. If God has predestined anybody, that means that free will and choice should be eliminated. He wants you to choose him voluntary, love him voluntary, be obedient to him voluntarily. Not on no predestined type of stuff. 
So we see here in verse 17, for the scripture says to Pharaoh, I raised you up for this very purpose that I might display my power in you and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. Therefore, God has mercy on whom he has mercy and he hardens whom he wants to harden. See, some people, they, they have hardened hearts already. So some people, they don't understand this scripture. I'm going to break it down for you to understand because this is what God is putting on my heart right now to do. See, some people level of forgiveness is that like a level? We're going to put levels on, on the unforgiveness, um, okay? I'm going to call it level one, level two, level three. So level one is like slight unforgiveness, you know? Minimum unforgiveness. Level two is intermediate. We talking moderate type of level of forgiveness. Level three is like severe forgiveness. Okay. You like, you going to forgive. Okay. So that's forgiveness. We got category levels one through three. Now we're going to talk about hard. You got level one hardness. In a person's heart, we're talking about, right? Their heart is hard at level one. It's like a, a minimum, minimum level one hardened heart. Level two, moderate, intermediate, level hardened heart. Level three, you have severe hardened heart. So guess what? You, do you understand what God is saying here? He says that I will have mercy on whom I wants to have mercy and he hardens whom he wants to harden. So that means that a person whose heart is hardened at level one might end up having to go through a whole bunch of different experiences in order to get to level three hardened heart. But the choices and decisions that they're making is going to lead them from level one to level two hardened heart to level three severe hardened heart. So instead of God allowing that person to go through all these different steps in level one of a hardened heart, and then level two of a hardened heart that, that carries about 10 different experiences that exposes them to all type of levels of unforgiveness. And then when they get to level three, now they're being exposed to 30 different experience levels that will cause emotional numbness and a complete hardened heart. So God understands the different levels that a person is about to choose. So instead of them having to go through a hundred different experiences to get to a hardened heart, God makes their heart harden to prevent the level of pain and uh, uh, suffering that they will have to go through because of their choices. That is still mercy. That he's given, even when he's hardened the hearts of those people who needs their hardened heart.
So let me just try to explain it in layman's terms. So a person that has forgiveness at level one is bare minimum forgiveness. They gon' they just gonna forgive a little bit. Level two, uh, I forgive you somewhat, but I'm not, you know, I'm not God. I'm not about to be forgiving people. I heard people say that. Level three, hard and hard, they going to forgive everything. Just, you know, it's okay. I understand. I, I, You know, we all make mistakes. Move on from it. Let's move past that. They just forgive everything. Those are the people who God going to have mercy on because, see, God already know what levels of forgiveness they have in their heart. Regardless of what human desire or efforts you try to make, God think. God know the level of what the levels you on. He knows. So if your heart is hardened, he may not want you to go through all them, them bad experiences that you that you are about to make. And see, even though you think God don't love you, he's still preventing you from going through unnecessary things by making your heart hard now so you won't have to wait 50 years later to go through a life of adversities. To change and serve the Lord. So level one, level two, level three, it don't matter. See, God going to harden your heart because some people's hearts need to be hardened. You are not God. I tell everybody that, look, we not God. I, I don't, I don't, I'm not, I'm not God. I'm like God, but I'm not God. So please. Don't confuse God's word. God have mercy on who he want to have mercy on. And he can have compassion on who he want to have compassion on. And he will harden the hearts of people so that they won't have to go through experience of turmoil, strife, adversity, and problem after problem. And emotional numbness, things that, that you could never even imagine. Aren't you glad that God didn't let you go through that experience? Think about your life 10 years ago and some of the choices that you would have made that you didn't make. You better be thankful for right now. So in verse 19, one of you will say to me, then why does God still blame us? For who is able to resist his will? But who are you, a human being, to talk back to God? See, some people are going to be like, well, why Why do this scripture say that? Why do God say he going to have mercy on who he want to have mercy on? And he going to harden the heart of whom he want to have a hardened heart? Why God saying all this? See, if you can't tell me, no, 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 you need to tell me why God saying this. You believe in God. You believe in him. Why you can't tell me? Well, you talking to the wrong person. You need to talk to God about it. You ask God for the things you want to ask him and he will answer you. If you knock, the door will be open. If Matthew 7 and 7, if you knock, the door will be open. If you seek, you will find it. Just ask God. 
So that's what this scripture is saying. Who are you, a human being, to talk back to God? You asking God, oh, oh, okay. Well, why, why you let me go through that? Why you let me do? Look, if He would have allowed you to choose the decisions you wanted to, you probably would have had two broken legs if you would have been with that man you wanted. You probably would have not had no edges on the side because he would have beat you up and pulled all your hair out. Yeah, you went through things, but think about the things you didn't go through. Think about how God have delivered you. People want to keep asking God, well, why? Why? Well, wow. Oh, oh, oh. Okay, so this is what God is saying here. Shall what is formed say to the one who formed it, why did you make me like this? See, when you, you read this scripture different, when you talking about it, when you talking about your experience and what the word of God has done for you. So verse 21, does not the potter have the right to make out of the same lump of clay, some pottery for special purposes and some pottery for common purposes. You all understand that I love the pottery example. That's a great analogy. You know, a pottery, they're going to make a pot for special purposes. Like they're going to do exquisite work. It's the same way if you go to a job. If your job paying you $100 an hour and, and you going to work different at the job that pay you $100 an hour compared to the one that pay you $25 an hour. Because everybody that come to work, they always say, I'm paying, I'm a, I'm gonna do what you pay me to do. You're not paying me enough to do that. That look, that's a contaminating attitude. That's a whole nother podcast. But I'm just saying, this is these are belief systems. You work hard for for a hundred dollars an hour, better than you would if you make it $25 an hour. But let me tell you this. See, I'm the type of person that say, you know, it's not really about the money for me. It's about the culture at work. So I would rather make $25 an hour and I could work that for five years or longer and be happy and have a great quality of life than to have to work and make $100 an hour. And you can't even get sleep at night from talking about your job. And how it's impacting your mental health. So which one is the opportunity cost? The one that positively, positively impacts you or the one that negatively impacts you? Because see, you think you want that $100 an hour job. But you perfectly fine right there. You live in quality of life right there with 25. Just make you some investments. That's it. See, you live this, God, God, you don't just work to pay bills. Invest your money. Take risks by investing. So that's another podcast, but I'm just saying, you know, it just really depends. This, this example of the pottery really is amazing to me. You know, you could look at that scripture and think about it. You know, the pottery is going to make pottery for the potter is the potter can make pottery for special purposes and for some for common use.
So looking, moving forward in verse 22, it, it talks about what if God, although choosing to show his wrath and make his power known, bore with great patience the, the, the objects of his wrath. You see, the what it's saying here is, see, God will harden a person's heart and still be patient with them. Even though they are prepared for destruction. That's what it says. What if God, although choosing to show his wrath and make his power known, bore with great patience the objects of his wrath, prepare for destruction? So the objects of wrath, they already prepare for destruction, but God is still having patience with those objects that they are enduring wrath. What if he did this to make the riches of his glory known to the objects of his mercy? whom he prepared in advance for. So you got the people prepared for destruction and you have people who are prepared in advance for his glory because he know what their heart will be. See, God is giving you choice. Your choice is positioning you for wrath or your choice is positioning you to advance in God's glory. So I will call them my people who are not my people. And I will call her my loving one who is not my loving one. See, and, and, and see, some people don't understand this, but I want to, I want to scroll down a little bit and go to where it says right here. Okay. Yeah. I want to scroll down a bit to verse 27. Isaiah cries out concerning Israel. Though the number of Israelites be like the sand of the sea, only the remnant will be saved. So just because you you feel like you're an Israelite, you you're not you're not an Israelite that will that is a part of the remnant that will be saved. See, people think, oh, I'm an Israelite. I am God's child. I'm chosen. Woo woo. Okay, you can say you're chosen all you want, but are you knocking and asking God? Are you including Him in your choices and decisions? Are you communicating with him on a daily basis? How much time do you spend with the Lord? When the last time you cried out to God? Let me tell you something. I talk to God every day and almost every single day I am crying because of joy. And I'm like, God, you always, you make me too sensitive. <laughs> like, God. I'm just crying again because you've been so amazing to me. <laughs> I mean, like, you are the only, God is the only one to get me like this, okay? I have long discussions with God and then I end up crying about something. I'm like, oh God, you know, you really are really impacting my life and really impacting my heart because when you understand, it is not about your enemy. You prevail and triumph over your enemy. So don't think about the things that, you know, like failure. Don't think about the failure. Just think about the change. How can you change in this moment? What is God trying to show you right now? Oh, I messed up so much in my life. I did it. Okay. So 
What about right now? What steps can I take now to improve my relationship with God? So just because the Israelites are like the sand by the sea, if they are not a part of the remnant, they're not going to be saved. Only the remnant will be saved. In verse 28, for the Lord will carry out his sentence on earth with speed and finality. So the wrath of God is going to be carried out regardless. Some people's hearts take longer time to be hardened. They just, they making choices that'll lead them to a hardened heart. But God will speed up that process for them. Okay. Because that's ultimately what they want is a hardened heart anyway. They just don't know that their choices are leading them there. But their decisions, it, it constantly influences them and, and, and causes them to choose things that will cause their hearts to be hardening. Um, in verse 29, and then I'm going to move forward. Um, it is just as Isaiah said previously, unless the Lord Almighty had left us descendants, we would have become like Sodom and we would have become like Gomorrah. So we would have been like Sodom and Gomorrah. If there were descendants left of Sodom and Gomorrah, but because Satan are readily in the minds of people who choose him. History is repeating some of itself. So let's look and understand what many of these things are. Okay. So I want to talk about the uh, cognitive dissonance. All right. So. Cognitive dissonance is basically a term that people use. It is, I'm telling you right now, it's just a clash of your ideas and your belief system. That's all cognitive dissonance is. You may have been in a, a, a relationship with somebody, you chose the wrong one. That's it. You, you, you know, you go back and forth to this person. Oh, I want to stay. I want to go. I want to stay. I want to go. But you end up staying. Because Mr. Wrong felt right to you. So you stayed. So that's cognitive dissonance. That's a clash of your ideas. One, one part of your mind is telling you to stay. When your heart is telling you to go. Your heart may be telling you to stay at one moment. Your man is telling you to go. So it, these are a clash of beliefs and ideas. Everybody has experienced it. So if you hear anybody say, well, I've never went through cognitive dissonance. Everybody have had a clash of ideas. Have you voted for the wrong politician? I mean, you had to go back and forth. Well, you know, I, I really do like Trump. But you know, Rondi Santos. Did you see those shoes he, he had on? You know, so it's like, well, wait a minute. So now you don't want to vote for him because he hit on some cowboy boots. <laughs> These preconceived thoughts and beliefs, you know, cognitive dissonance. And so they say that mental discord is related to the contradiction between one thought. That's where your mental um, disagreement come in because it's like, okay, you want to you fundamentally want to think about the right thing, but you may end up thinking about the wrong thing. But this is the point. 
I don't care who wants to deny this. We all have experienced cognitive dissonance. Even if you have chosen the wrong job, right? And over a good job. Because your friend went to that job. And, and oh, I can get a ride to work and this. But guess what? The quality of life is not good there. So just think about that, you know? Um, also, very well mind. They talk about cognitive dissonance. It's basically a conflict that is happening internally, right? You can have some reduction strategies and you can also seek out new information reducing these sort of health concerns. So they give you different signs of what cognitive dissonance is. And one is the feeling of uncomfortable, being uncomfortable before doing something or making a decision. That's one sign of cognitive dissonance. I really enjoy the way very mind, I'm sorry, very well mind um, explain things. And this is another article from Kendra Cherry. I think I'm starting to love all of her articles. Okay. <laughs> um, but so educator, uh, Cherry, she talks about feeling uncomfortable before doing something or making a decision, right? Trying to justify or rationalize a decision you made or action that you have taken. Feeling embarrassed or ashamed about something you've done and trying to hide your actions from other people. Experiencing guilt or regret about something you've done in the past. Doing things because of social pressure or fear of missing out. Even if it wasn't something you wanted to do. So one thing that my grandmother told me was. If you have to think twice about it, don't do it. So look. If you have to think twice about it, don't support it. If you have to think twice about if you should wear that, don't wear it. So <laughs> I want to talk about Claudine Gay. She is the president of Harvard University. And I'm only going to talk about this a couple minutes. Um, But... Today, I found out that she was an African-American after making several remarks on social media. I made a couple of statements about her on my Twitter account, along with LinkedIn and also Facebook. And I was really kind of like not liking the unethical practices that were said about her. But somebody else who I think is a maybe a celebrity or something because they had so many posts. But I saw a statement that they made and said, they said specifically that if she was, a, if the president of Harvard was a white man and he plagiarized his dissertation, that he would be terminated. And so it was somewhere along those lines. I don't know if I'm quoting it verbatim, but it very closely resembles what I read. And so basically, the reason why I'm bringing this up is because I did not know that she was black. But I want to tell you that right is right and wrong is wrong. It doesn't matter what color you are. And so I believe that if it take you that long to explain your defense on why human beings should not be slaughtered, then you shouldn't be in a, a position of power. So I understand that war will take place. War is imminent. 
But the question that they asked Claudine Gay in regards to the the slaughtering of Israelis, she avoided it. And see, that's the problem and the issue for me. I don't know about anybody else. But if I ask you a question, I want to hear the answer. You are in a position of power. You are required to answer the question. And I know, like for me, I don't I don't always answer questions. I don't be answering questions. I will avoid it or I'm going to answer it the way I want to. But when it comes to certain things, the Lord told me, no, you have to stand up and use the influence that I've gifted you to have. You are gifted. Your mental score makes you gifted. It doesn't matter even if, if the world identifies you as gifted. I've made you gifted. So you are supposed to take your stands on the things that are happening in this world. So too many times... There are believers and servants of Christ that don't take the position and use the authority that God has gifted you with. God wants you to use your influence. God wants you to speak about what you see and pray about it first and then speak about it to the masses. You are the salt of the world, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. Right is right and wrong is wrong. <clears throat> it doesn't matter about who's right. It's about what's right. And so the slaughtering, the slaughtering of innocent children is never okay. Regardless of which side you're on, that's for one. The next thing is that it's not about who's right, it's about what's right. And to minimize casualties means intervention is necessary. So what preventative measures are going to be taking place to prevent the slaughtering of casualties and in innocent children. That's the main goal. So I want to let you know that although Claudine Gay, the president of Harvard University, although she didn't lose her job, I believe that it's necessary to make sure that we do have grace with people, but she does deserve to give an apology for her inability to speak about it, to speak about the issue of Israelis. She has a very high position and she should be able to address that issue with sincerity and making sure she's not leaving the people left feeling having feelings of of the unknown okay so that 
you know, that's just how I feel about that. So cognitive dissonance. I don't support the her speech. I don't support the behavior. I didn't support any of it. Okay. So that isn't a sign of cognitive dissonance. I'm not having any clash of ideas with that. Should she have another opportunity? She should have the opportunity to apologize for having an avoidance personality and not answering the question that everyone wanted to know. But then again, since the rest of the world scapegoats and blames everything else on the, ne on the next person, you know, they could say, well, no one apologized about slavery. Well, at some point, someone has to take accountability. So we need people in positions of power who's willing to stand up and take accountability and ownership for their behavior and their performance. So the, the issue is that Harvard University, although they, they retained Claudine Gay as president of Harvard, they still rejecting accountability and ownership if she does not address the issue of innocent children being slaughtered in the war world. I'm sorry, in the war. So that's something that is serious. All right, I want to move forward. So when we think of um, cognitive dissonance, it is somewhat of forced compliance, right? You feel like, you know, you have these certain behaviors where you have to abide by, um, maybe because of peer pressure, maybe because of, you know, um, external factors of from work and school, including social situations that changes. Also, new information could cause you to um, reject certain people. And so now you no longer perceive them a certain way because of new information that you found out about them or because you, you know, because of something someone else said to influence your perspective. So it changes your relationship. That's cognitive dissonance. Um, also, your decisions, whether they're large or small, um, you may have uh, going through different choices may causes you to have... Um, making when you're making different choices may it may cause you to have difficult decisions or you may have discomfort in those decisions for instance looking at claudine gay she was she had discomfort around the question surrounding israel right that's cognitive dissonance there is no particular um idea that she can convey surrounding the, that issue right so that, that could have been just a, a probably a very hard way to explain something. That's forcing compliance on someone. That's cognitive dissonance. Even when you're, you're forced to answer something that you don't really feel comfortable with answering. So we have to remember that we do need to have grace with people. We need to have mercy on them. You know, we do. Okay, but we also need to understand that in order to be efficient and effective, we have to be able to take accountability and ownership for our behaviors. 
Also, cognitive dissonance is adopting beliefs or ideas um, to help justify your reasons. So people try to justify their wrongs because they feel like, you know, so since you cheated, I can cheat. You lied, I could lie. You know, you want to... You want to curse me out? I'm going to curse you out. You hit me on top of my head, I'm going to hit you on top of your head. So many, and I'm, I'm just being a little drastic with that, but I'm not. In some, some spaces, people are that way. So thinking about it, adopting certain beliefs or ideas to help sort of justify um, your means to an end, to explain away through your conflict like okay well i did this behavior because of this or you made me lie or you made me cheat you made me do this so what this does is it just it causes a lack of accountability and ownership again even though it is still a clash of your ideas because it's like okay you're saying you're saying that your behavior caused this because of what was said or what was done. When in fact, you are in control of you. I tell my kids that all the time. I don't want to hear, don't tell me nothing. If you're not taking accountability and ownership, we what conversation are we having right now? Listen to what you just said. Listen to what you just said. Who are you in control of? Yourself. So I guess I am I'm a very, sometimes I'm a very strict parent. I am. But I'm very lenient in so many ways, you know. Um, but moving on from that, cognitive dissonance, hiding beliefs or behaviors from other people, right? So, for instance, some people, I would not even, like, a long time ago, I could not be around some people if I wasn't drinking. I would just be like, ah, we have nothing in common whatsoever. I can't even have one conversation with you on any level that's relatable. So, the only thing that connected us was alcohol so I, I know i'm not the only one in the world that have done this okay i'm just being open and honest about my mistakes okay because i'm very open and um i guess i really you know really care about what god thinks about me so it's very important for me to talk and discuss the things that i've overcome right and overcoming decisions to hide beliefs or behaviors from other people, you know, it could make you feel ashamed, right? Hiding beliefs or behaviors from other people can make you feel ashamed. Um, it could also have you having conflicting beliefs and behaviors, hiding the disparity, you know, like many times I didn't want to be around a lot of people because like, um, I mean, I've been in school for so long that 
some of my friends would be like, oh, so you just, you think you smarter than us. Also, you can't buy, they used to sell underwear at the gas station a long time ago. They'd be like, so you, you can't buy, you too good to buy underwear from the gas station? You can't buy your son no shirt out the gas station? Why? You act like you don't live in Inglewood. You from the low end too. So it's like hiding beliefs and behaviors from other people because it's like, okay, look, I am from the low end and I am from the hood. But guess what? I don't want to live like this anymore. I don't want to be poor. Okay. Nobody wants to be poor forever. So I'm going to make sure I get up. I go to school every day. I'm going to go to work. I'm going to do what I have to do. So I won't have to go through this for the rest of my life. Okay. So although many of us who are in higher education, they, a lot of people in higher education usually deny the fact that they're privileged. So I'm going to tell everybody, when you get to a certain socioeconomic status, you become privileged amongst your peers. The problem for me is that I grew up in an impoverished area. And most of my friends who I've been close to and family are impoverished. And I love my people and I love my hood. So one thing about me that I would never do is I never want to code switch. And so code switch to me is very unauthentic and I'm a very authentic person. So code switching. So since I don't assume that everybody has the same ability of understanding things, I'm going to say that code switching is like this. Code switching is when you change your pronunciation, your accent to sound a certain way. So if I'm around certain people, I'm going to speak proper grammar. Then when I'm around, you know, individuals who may speak Ebonics, I'm going to speak Ebonics. No, I, I don't switch up in that way. I don't code switch because to me it's not authentic. So I keep my pronunciation, my accent. Because it, it connects me to who and where I'm from. So when I'm explaining something to my loved ones and my friends that are impoverished or in communities that are impoverished, they're going to always be able to understand me. Because I'm connected to my hood and i'm connected to the people that i love and that'll never change because god has put them on my heart to pray for them for life so i'm gonna always communicate with people that i pray for because people you pray for those are people you should care about and it doesn't matter if they have done things to wrong you and to hurt you people have wronged you and they may
cause a lot of pain and strife and disparities in your life or may judge you and criticize you and talk about you and slander you. It doesn't matter. Move on from those things. So hiding your beliefs or behaviors from people could really cause some problems because it's not being your authentic self. So I don't hide anything on myself. Now, if you want to have a conversation with me, you're going to just have to have an intellectual conversation with me because I don't drink. If you want to be around me and, and, and get advice from me on certain things, now you got to come to me and talk with common sense. I don't want you inebriated around me. I don't smoke. So if you want to have a connection with me, you can. But make sure that you you coming at me the right way. And I'm going to come at you and talk to you the right way. The next thing is um cognitive dissonance causes people to have confirmation bias. And so I'm not going to get into that confirmation bias too much here. Because I have a whole list of different things to talk about when it comes to biases. There are over 150 different biases. And so in order to deal with cognitive dissonance, you have to understand that it's always going to be a conflict between your thoughts, beliefs, and your opinion. It's a clash of ideas between your thoughts, your beliefs, and your opinions. And that just goes back to saying that do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, right? Because when you conform to this world, that means that your thoughts, that when God is telling you to forgive, your thoughts is telling you to be unforgiving. This person wronged me. Your thoughts will tell you always defend yourself. You know, don't deal with them no more. Tell them off. Tell them a piece of your mind right now. Tell them a piece of your mind. Tell them. So that's what it is. So you need to, um, in order to overcome, you want to have God in your life, number one. You want to reduce the importance of the conflicting belief. So reduce how important it is. So if you think that, that person, since they stole from you, you can never trust them again. Just don't trust them, but pray for them. Make sure that when they're around you, that you put everything up in your house. Or don't bring them to your house. Take preventative measures to reduce the level of importance on those conflicting ideas. Change your beliefs. If you had a bad encounter with a person that is white, don't label all white people as being that bad from that experience you had. Don't label them from that bad experience. If you had a bad encounter with a black person or maybe with a Hispanic or maybe with an Asian person, it doesn't matter. Whatever idea or belief that you had, don't relate it to the experience for all people being that way.
Because, for instance, a lot of men, they go through things in life with women that really cause them a lot of hurt and pain. And so, guess what? They have misogyny where they really dislike women. And so now they've labeled and categorized all the women to be like the five women that they had a direct experience with. So now they hate women because of that. So don't let your experience influence your belief to perceive that everyone is going to be that way. Give each person a, a chance. Like some people say, no, you need to earn my respect. I don't have to earn anything. I didn't do anything to you. No, you need to learn that you just give respect. See, God just gives love. We, we intricately, we want to see people do good, intrinsically want to see people do good. We, we do that because we, you know, you have, you come from a good space in life. So change your beliefs. Anything that causes you to be ineffective, any belief, thought, feeling, change it. Change those beliefs. And that is how you overcome cognitive dissonance. Okay. So I'm going to end on that note. I am at my two hour mark. I thought I was going to be able to play a video and do a whole bunch of other stuff. I don't know why I didn't incorporate all of that in two hours because um, <laughs> God is always leading me into talking about some things that I didn't anticipate talking about. So I spent a lot of time talking about Romans chapter nine, verses 15 through 33. And I really hope that you all really enjoyed it. If you have any questions, go ahead and send me an email um, to Deanna Watson at SuddenChangesCorporation.org. That is D as in David, E as in Edward, A as in Apple, Deanna, D-E-A-N-N-A -N -N at, I'm sorry, Deanna Watson at SuddenChangesCorporation.org. If you have a prayer request, please send that to Laws Life Health at SuddenChangesCorporation.org. Also, if you were interested in becoming a writer or if you needed to do some mandated community service or volunteer, send your request to info at SuddenChangesCorporation.org. So let me go ahead and pray. Father God, thank you so much for giving us access to you and the Holy Spirit. Thank you for tuning your ears to hear our voice. God, we thank you for using us to be able to interpret your word so that we can go out and speak it to other people god and we just pray that you keep your word hidden in our hearts where it won't leave us god seal your word in our hearts and protect it with your blood lord god allow us to minister the grace to everybody that we know and and just give us favor in your sight god allow the words that we receive in your word to change our lives and let us change every single day no matter what it takes lord god we thank you for giving us a double portion of your love mercy and grace and we ask that you please continue to shower us with with your love and allow us to show love to everybody god put love in our heart and let it grow inside of us uproot those things the characteristics of biases and certain things that causes cognitive dissonance and remove it out of our life but most importantly god please allow your will to be done in our life not ours but yours in the name of jesus christ it is still in your atonement blood amen Thank you all so much for joining me.